Every year in Barcelona, the world's mobile industry gathers for the biggest event in the cellular calendar. Mobile World Congress, MWC, is where all the phone manufacturers come to launch their big products and where all the executives come to talk about the future this year of the mobile industry. I'm Toby Shapshak and I was there with Craig Wilson, the intrepid and better dressed editor of Stuff Magazine. And we're gonna tell you all of the great stuff that happened this year at MWC. Sure, I mean, it's exhausting, right? These things always are, it's enormous. It's uh, uh, just hall after hall of all sorts of things, apps and cell phone makers. And, but really, I mean, I don't know about you, Toby, I found most of the stuff that I really needed to see was in hall three, which is where all of the really big names were, the likes of Sony, um, LG, Huawei. But of course, a lot of the events actually happened before the show officially opens, right? It's become the habit now that Sunday uh, before the show is actually when all of the big players uh, take the wraps off uh, off their devices, which of course meant also a lot of running around for the likes of you and me. Uh, what did you think was great on Sunday? Well, indeed, I mean, it's it's become, you know, the, the day before is the big product launch day and, and, and notable by the absence was Samsung. But I, I think the biggest event of the day and certainly of the, of the whole Congress was Huawei. Huawei has become the darling of MWC. Their P10 and P10 Plus launches were hands down the biggest uh, man, handset manufacturing launch and it's interesting to me having been going for years and years and years to have seen the evolution of it there was a time where Nokia was top dog uh, then Samsung stole their mm. their thunder uh, you know and now there's been a, a real shifting of the focus and now it's all Huawei and Huawei of course even though we we as consumers know them as a smartphone manufacturer actually that's just one of their businesses the other two businesses are enterprise services and the carriers we make the very big networks that run the uh, the actual cell phone operators' networks. There sure, was all the, all the tower gear and all the back the sort of back room infrastructure. Right? That's really where uh, they must make a ton of their money. The sort of consumer end of things is really, relatively speaking, quite new, as I understand it. Yeah, they've only been making smartphones for five years, which is quite remarkable given what a great device the P10 is. Dual Leica lenses, a built-in flash. They've worked with Pantone to come up with beautiful colors. They've got this diamond back etched design so that you have uh, no fingerprints and it really glistens. Really crisp, wonderful screen, low aperture, very high megapixel front-facing camera. Uh, just a wonderful device and a, and a real tour de force from a company that remarkably five years ago didn't make smartphones. The most interesting statistic about Huawei that I came across during MWC is that a third to 40% of all the people on the planet are communicating in some way through Huawei's network equipment, through their carrier division. That's that's really something. I mean, they are the largest privately owned company in China, which is generally not a place where many companies are privately owned. Really fascinating. And we're going to see the continued rise and rise and rise of Huawei, not just with their excellent handsets, but with their networks and with their smartwatch. I've been playing oh, with yeah, their smartwatch too. Oh yeah, you were in the, the watch too, too right? 
Uh, and I've got to say, this is a device that really has restored my faith in smartwatches. I'd really kind of given up on them, but this is a very good device. It runs Android Wear. They say they're bringing out an iOS version of the app so that you can sync it with that as well. You which, can, is, which is super smart, right? Because exactly. you're losing a whole chunk of the market who are the sorts of people who buy smartwatches, which is only really the top end of the market. You know, people buying mid-range smartphones uh, might be interested in some of them, but for the most part, you're playing for the top dollar sort of folk and you know I think the most interesting thing about it is the inclusion of a sim slot exactly. Samsung for example Samsung's Gear S3 that's been released in the in the local market they haven't bothered to bring the sim including version to South Africa we're only getting the dumber version and I think these devices if they're going to be useful and going to be a, a way to keep your phone in your pocket and out of your hand they've got to have proper connectivity and be properly independent well also they, they they're very much orientated as smartwatch is like a health tracker and we'll talk about how Nokia's yeah. rebranded with things in a moment but they're a health tracker so if you want to go for a run or a swim or do something that you don't have your phone with you this smartwatch 2 watch 2 they call it has uh, four gigabytes of memory you can store your own music you can have it with you without having your phone I gotta um, tell you, for me that that storage thing now look for one thing I can't understand why it's still only four gigs when you can make a micro SD card that's sort of two 256 gigs I realize that you don't necessarily need that much but I feel like we could make it sort of 16 gigs or something uh, but that that ability to store music on the device is has become enormous to me I wear a TomTom Spark 3 that has the it was the pioneer in that sort of music on your wrist I mean you uh, are a pioneer <laughs> you flatter but I'll take it uh, but I, I love that I love the way that I can get GPS tracking and music and not actually have to carry my phone uh, which makes a huge difference and I think you know, Apple's been pushing it a little bit with the Apple Watch, but again, uh, you know, you've got to pair it to something. And at least, you know, the one thing with the with the Apple Watch uh, that I'd like to see some of these other smartphone smart watch manufacturers do is partner with streaming services. Yeah. Because my only complaint still, as someone who uses the one of these devices like five days out of seven, is that I can't store music from Spotify offline on the watch. Yeah. I still have to go and find MP3s, copy them over in a clunky interface, and I feel like that's the last great chasm that one of these companies needs to bridge is work with a streaming service, allow that to be one of your three offline devices and make this make this process a bit easier. The only one who's got that right is Apple because of Apple Music. Yes. But of course, Apple doesn't really deserve a mention this week, do they? Because they're the ones who are notably always absent from the big shows like MWC. They yeah. just don't bother to show, I guess cause in part because they don't feel they need to. They, they don't need to and their sales cycle is very different. They launched their phone in September. Yeah, for the and have their own event for and uh, and the other manufacturers are out there fighting for it. Yeah, so so I, I agree, you know, the, the, the easy use of offline music or on your phone, that's great. And, the, you know, the, 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 I had this out with Samsung and they, they, you know, the executives I spoke to were, were, were dismissive when I said you should make your watch work with an iPhone. And they're like, no, it must work with our handsets. Well, that just precludes the, the, the kind of cream at the top of the market who use an iPhone who are not going to ditch the iPhone for a different operating system. They bought all the apps and they're in the sure. ecosystem. They're not going to ditch it for a smartwatch and, and frankly, an overpriced smartwatch. So, But, I but think this may is a totally good... consider a watch from another brand if the 
other brand does it right. Exactly. I have really been surprised. I think this watch too is a little plasticky looking. I really do. It's a, I wear a, a proper watch sure. uh, most of the time because my first and foremost use of a watch is to tell the time, especially at 5.30 when I wake up and I can tell I can go back to sleep for half an hour, an hour. <laughs> I, uh, I use it for that prime reason. And the thing that is, is, uh, is, is useful about this is that it's, it has good time functionality. You can turn it on to the full heart rate monitor thing and then you've got to charge it every day or you can use it every two days. But people have remarked on it and I've been quite surprised. They do a brand, they do a, a, a version with the Porsche design mm. uh, team. So that's much high, more high end. And I think that's a clever solution for them. But enough about the watches. Let's talk about the phones because the other phone that you said was so remarkable that you were impressed with was uh, was the the continuing modification strategy of Moto. Yeah, so I mean, this is a two-pronged thing. I think on the one hand, just very briefly, because I don't think there's much to say about them, the one that underwhelmed me the most was LG. So I went to that launch as well on that frantic Sunday of running around town. Uh, the one thing I like about LG is that they've put a second camera on this uh, the G6 like they had on the G5. Uh, like that one as well, it's a wide angle. Instead of going long like iPhone, uh, the iPhone has with the 7 Plus, uh, it goes wide instead, which I like a whole lot. I think that is uh, a superb design decision. At least this time around, they've put two uh, high-end um sensors behind each camera. The problem with the previous phone, well, the problems with the previous phone, the G5 were myriad, but one of the big ones was that the double camera, one of them was a shoddy, lower quality eight megapixel, the other one was the premium. Now at least both cameras are the same, but really LG's just gone and backtracked on everything it said for the G5. So where it went modular, uh, it made these attachments like an amplifier and a a camera attachment that it turns out weren't particularly good and that nobody wanted. Um, Anyone who invested in that has now been burnt by LG, who's ditched it for the G6. And now what they've done with the G6 is made the screen bigger. And they're claiming, they even wheeled out some sort of European film director to to bolster this claim. They're claiming that this new 18 by 9 ratio that they're punting on the G6 is going to be the new standard for media. But frankly, after them saying that the G5 was going to be the new standard for modular phones, you'll have to forgive me if I'm a little skeptical about any of these uh, sort of assertions from, from Camp LG. Also, why on earth do we call an 18 by 9 aspect ratio 18 by 9 and not 2 by 1? Um, anyway, none of this makes any sense, but it totally baffles me. Uh, you know, LG, I just feel, has taken this massive step backwards and their phone was pretty underwhelming. We're going to have to actually play with it to see if that um, uh, is the case. But later in the same day, I went to the Motorola launch, which was the complete opposite. So the Motorola, um, the Moto Z, as the Americans call it, or the Moto Z, as we'd, we'd call it, um, isn't new. Uh, they didn't release a new one at the time, but the, uh, I mean, at the event. But what they did show off was just how committed they are to this modular approach. Now, you know, for a start, uh, it's much more sensible, I think, than the LG G5 one. Uh, instead of having to take the battery out and turn the phone off, you just clip the mods onto the back. But also it's letting a bunch of third parties make these mods and it's promising. I mean, Moto says they ideally want to aim for four new mods a quarter. And what they showed off was a bunch of interesting ones that are definitely coming in the pipeline and then a bunch of great concepts. 
you know, things like an instant printer, like the Instax, great, hey? you know, the Instax Insta printer, like, like a modern day Polaroid. Yeah, exactly. Or one that can take four SIM cards for travel. Yeah. You know, for the, the sort of frequent travelers so that you can turn what is a single SIM phone into a multi SIM yeah. phone without uh, compromising battery life. My personal favorite is the, the Hasselblad camera adapter because the picture quality on that is breathtaking. I mean, it's uh, you can say what you want about the cost of high-end cost of a Hasselblad and uh, whether this is a, a cheap knockoff of their own sure. brand, but for 5,000 Rand, you can put a Hasselblad camera with 10 times zoom. I tried it extensively uh, on a trip to Cape Town last year with the very you know picturesque backdrops. I took yeah. a, a picture of a sh- at sunset, a ship in the bay, uh, you know, on full zoom and full uh, was uh, uh, the, the the full non-zoom fantastic really sure. great picture quality really impressive I'm, I'm very impressed by it and of course I think the other um, I, I kind of don't really know what to make of the projector it's a, it's, it's a fun thing if you travel a lot and you sure. want to watch a bigger picture on a on a, on a wall it's a, a newer version of that's going to come up but the Bluetooth speakers also or the, the adaptive speakers very good are the JBL the speaker JBL, yeah. and they, they're going to make that a Bluetooth uh, version with this year's modification and that's a great solution because that's what you want you know it also has sure. an extra battery so it gives you a lot more battery life the Moto Z is a very thin phone which kind of worries me in terms of battery life I mean not that you can live any uh, way without a, a backup battery no matter what you do you know if you yeah, drive yeah, around yeah. you need a, a charger in your car one at your desk one next to the couch when you get home you know we live in a we live in a world where our smartphones just don't make it through the day well, neither does anything else, right? We've given up on, for the time being, on making battery tech better in terms of capacity and just made charging faster. But that was one of the other things Moto showed off, was a fast charging attachment, uh, a turbo power pack that can give you 50% charge in 15 minutes. And as they said, the idea is that here you can add a bunch of you know innovation without having to redesign the entire device. They've also promised this particular fit will work for at least two more generations of Moto flagship. And very interesting, in a, a press briefing um, with the uh, the uh, global CEO of Lenovo, Lenovo of course is the company that now owns Moto and puts out the Motorola devices, he confirmed that they're looking to bring the same modular approach to the mid-range devices. Very I think clever. That's very clever and, and very interesting because I don't think very many people are going to go out and buy every single mod. For a start, it's going to get insanely expensive if you do. Uh, and also, you've got to wonder, you know, even if they're going to last for three generations, eventually they're going to be obsolete. And that's a big commitment. But I think the value is just in people being able to choose a couple of things that will make their lives a little better uh, and pick them up. And I think that's a, a really smart strategy. But of course, uh, the, the, the company that I think got the most headlines at Mobile World, uh, the phone company, uh, was Nokia. I know. It's Isn't it great? Totally, totally sort of hilarious, and, and, but and, amazing. I mean, there's been a lot of commentary about the state of the mobile industry. It's so sad that the the, 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 the standout device of Mobile World <laughs> Congress this year was a phone that was first premiered 17 years ago. Yeah. 
I think that's a little unfair. I mean, it does make an interesting comment, sure. But because there's such great nostalgia for the 3310, I, I'm probably the only person who never had one. I, I, yeah, I, don't, I totally the, had one. The 6310 <laughs> by the time, and I was a power user even then. And um, I had lots of friends and a girlfriend at the time who had one, so I'm very familiar with it. Playing Snake on it was just fantastic. As a device, it's very thin. Um, it's uh, It runs the old system. System, system 30 S30 software it's mm. much more sophisticated it's a 2.5 G so it can go online I don't think WhatsApp has written an app for it no. but you can use the Opera browser and therefore all of the web apps that go through Opera so Twitter Facebook all of those other mm. things that you can do in a browser um, I guess the idea though is that the people it's selling it to it assumes it wouldn't really want to you know, necessarily. The, the, yeah. the connectivity is totally secondary. What they're promising is that that feeling of a phone that can SMS and a phone that can take and make and receive calls and that can last five days on a charge. I mean, that, uh, but more no, above all of that... Five days? What do you mean? They've doubled the original 3310's two-week battery life to a month. Good luck. It's fantastic. <laughs> so it's, and it's also got a two-and-a-half-inch screen. It's quite bright. It's really good. It's kind of disconcerting to display snake in color. Yeah, so it's not what, you know, but I have... Been been playing snake on a, as an iphone app for quite a while it's really fantastic it's a it's it's the kind of lateral thinking that you like to see sure nokia launched a whole bunch of other very slick high-end android phones interestingly from the stephen elop days where he was the ceo and he mm. tried to differentiate nokia by running windows phone on it i, I, mean, I actually no, saw him by the way i walked past him in one of the corridors oh, okay. double tech. i actually yeah, saw yeah. him at, at mwc i wonder what he's up to these yeah. days. I didn't stop and ask him unfortunately. Look, I think the thing with the Nokia as well is that they've released, I mean they're not particularly high-end Android phones. Actually most of them are pretty sort of middle of the road and I think that's maybe a smarter move because between Huawei and Samsung and LG and so on, Samsung of course will be releasing the S8 at the end of March um, and hoping they can create enough fanfare and that people who were holding out haven't gone and bought other things. But I think the main thing for Nokia is that whatever, you know, whether they sell every 3310 they make or whether they sell none of them, it doesn't really matter. The point is that it's an absolutely inspired marketing exercise. Absolutely. And the brand, the name is top of mind again. Nobody cares whether it's made by HMD, well, which it is, or, yeah. or anyone else. The point is that Nokia grabbed the headlines incredibly hard at an event that generally focuses on the top end of the market. Exactly. And I mean, I think this is the sort of thing that uh, you know will be taught in business schools for years to come. How to trade on that sort of brand equity, that ineffable thing thing that a brand like Nokia has in you know has so much of but needed to find a way to capitalize on what I'm going to be interested to see is how many of the actual Android phones which I'm sure it makes far more money off than the the 50 euro um uh, Nokia 3310 uh, you know how much this actually boosts interest in the brand again yeah true and I, I mean two points just to make is if 50 euros is about 700 rand giving give or, give or take a bit on the exchange rate but what's very interesting is uh, is uh, just coming back to the OS that instead of trying to differentiate themselves by having a Windows phone which not even Microsoft appears to use all the yeah. ex Nokia people yeah. I know who now work at Microsoft all have iPhones um, uh, is that it has a very pure installation of Android. They've sure. gone the other way. They've gone to 
the kind of Google Pixel approach, which is to give you the purest form mm. of it. And they were saying that of their of their handsets, they um, when they went on sale in China, they pre-ordered them and they sold out in 23 seconds. I obviously asked how many units that was, but they weren't saying. They just said sure. it sold out in 23 seconds. So uh, yeah, good for them. Good for the for the old management team of Nokia who've who've done a very good job of reinventing it. What's interesting is that they still have something like a 10% market share around Africa. That is a very interesting situation for them. They still have mm. such strong brand value and brand equity, even though technically they don't make phones like the Nokia 105 yeah. anymore, which has been my favorite uh, cheap handset that I've always traveled with. I, I use it whenever I do talks just to demonstrate the kind of important things you need in Africa, which is an inexpensive phone that's $15. It has a 35-day battery life. It has a built-in torch and a built-in radio. And it's it's really quite something. Yeah. Um, it was really fantastic. My late father used one. It was very simple, very effective. Um, but the other application that I see for the 3310 is the older generation. My mother has a very interesting, big-buttoned, very loud phone from Alcatel. Yeah. Bright. It sounds like an alarm for you know <laughs> the, the DEFCON 5, but she can hear it, which is a thing. And the buttons are, are very big and very sure. large. And I can see the 3310 fitting into that same marketplace also because a lot of those people whose first phones were Nokia's and the familiarity of the operating system is as powerful as the familiarity of the brand. Sure. Sure. And yeah, perhaps, you know, we long for a little bit of simplicity in the face of all of this uh, growing smartness, which often just amounts to more distraction, right? You want to get things done? Turn off your internet connection. But not before you finish listening to us. Unfortunately, of course, we've run way over time. Uh, We'll be back again next week uh, to chat about the tech news. And of course, uh, looking forward to um, more events later this month, like Samsung's release of the S8. It's a massive, massive event for the company. It's going to have to really pull a rabbit out of a hat uh, and we'll of course be here to let you know if it manages to do so indeed and the and the terrible uh, problem for samsung of course is that they their CEOs have been accused of, of bribing uh, government officials and then trying to hide it. So Samsung really needs some uh, good news, don't they? Absolutely. But that's a story for another week. Until then, cheers. Goodbye. <laughs>